It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today we got the Cincinnati Bengals de facto general manager and director of player personnel, Duke Tobin, in his annual preseason media address. This is taking the place of Mock Turtle Soup Day, more or less. It doesn't look like Mike Brown will be made available to the media at any point in this preseason process this year, unless something changes in the coming weeks. But we do have a lot of news coming out of that including updates on the Bengals' unrestricted free agent signings, updates on some Bengals' roster moves to get down to 80 players, and why today is the day that the Bengals picked to get to 80 players. We're going to start with all that news. Then we'll get into a further detailed breakdown of some of the more interesting things Duke Tobin had to say in his press conference, and then we'll continue our preseason positional preview with the cornerback position where the Bengals have brought in really a load of players and will have some hard decisions to make toward the end of the roster. But let's get started with that transactional news. And James, you spoke with Duke Tobin along with the rest of the Cincinnati Media Corps today and got some updates about unrestricted free agents. We saw pictures on social media of Mackenzie Alexander and DJ Reader in the facility. Are the rest of those free agents in the building and have they signed their deals? I know for sure they're going to be there tomorrow as the the rest of the team is. And they have signed their deals, I'm told. So Trey Waynes and his unhappiness, he can smile. His move to Cincinnati was not uh, a bad one as he has agreed to that. uh, What was a $42 million deal over three years? So uh, all of these guys are under contract. All of them expected uh, to be at Paul Brown Stadium tomorrow. And that's uh, certainly just one of the administrative things that needed to get done. But uh, it, it's good to see that they all tested negative for, for COVID-19, passed their physicals, and got those contracts completed. As of Monday afternoon, it appears that only one Cincinnati Bengal either tested positive for or was exposed to COVID-19, and that's college free agent Kendrell Futrell, who remains on that COVID-19 list. The Bengals did, however, cut down their roster to 79 players. We'll start with the players that have moved off that active roster and then get into the timing of these moves. As expected, Josh Tupo has opted out for this season. He's now on the opt-out list and will not count against the Bengals' 80-player limit for their roster. In addition to that, the Bengals waived Moritz Boeinger, an international player who was a roster-exempt player whose status had actually just expired. That meant that he counted against their roster limit and he no longer had a place 
apparently on that 80-man roster. If it was 90-man roster, he would probably be around for training camp at least to get his fair shake. Unfortunately, it looks like Boringer's time in Cincinnati has come to a close. On top of that, the name that joins him is college free agent Devil Whaley, who was the seventh running back in a very deep running back room, and the Bengals decided not to take him into practice for whatever reason. Yeah, no no real surprise here. We talked about these guys earlier uh, a couple of weeks ago as, as potential cut-down candidates, but um, it, it's it's tough because they don't even get a shot, right? If you're Devil Whaley, you signed as an undrafted free agent, you're hoping for a chance to prove yourself. You don't get that. Mark Boringer, he's the oldest first-year player ever. I mean, he's been in the league for how many years now, and he's still considered a first-year player after spending a couple years on the Bengals practice squad. So he did get his shake, uh, and unfortunately it didn't work out. But it's uh, it's all part of it, man. We're going to see more cuts here in the coming weeks. It's a hard time to be a college free agent, as we talked about when we previewed the cuts that the Bengals would have to make to get to 80. And the timing for this is what it is, because with training camp officially entering that conditioning period, team activities for the Cincinnati Bengals will begin on Tuesday in earnest. Prior to that point, they were wrapping up physicals, they're wrapping up COVID testing, they're bringing in rookies, the rookies were doing some on-field activities, some walkthrough kind of stuff last week when Joe Burrow signed his deal and was in the building, but with the veterans, with the full team, all of those activities began in earnest on Tuesday with the entirety of the roster at this point healthy, free of COVID, and ready to get the season started. And you can do full squad, you know, practices now. You know, you don't do the split squad with the 90-man, with an 80-man roster, do it with the COVID-19 rules. They can get on the field together. So that's huge. You know, Joe Burrow's going to be able to throw to A.J. Green on Tuesday. You know, <laughs> Geno Atkins is going to get to chat with DJ Reader and these veterans and these new faces. They, they can get to know each other. So it's a, another step forward as we move towards what hopefully is the 2020 season. And a big step in terms of getting some unity going on this team, getting that camaraderie going as the team can, like you said, James, get the entirety of the squad on the field together in Paul Brown Stadium as we approach a long ramp up to the regular season. And as Bengals fans know, in that ramp up to the regular season is a time that a lot of deals get done. For free agents, Duke Tobin talked about the Bengals' continued interest in extending Joe Mixon. He talked about A.J. Green a little bit. He talked about William Jackson. A lot of interesting things came up in this press conference, so we'll dive into some of those details coming up here in segment two. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, the family business that provides auto parts online with a very easy-to-use, simple interface That is going to beat the big box store pricing and it is so convenient. And my favorite thing about it is they treat the do-it-yourselfers like they treat the big buyers, like they treat the dealerships that buy a lot of parts. You get the parts at a good rate. You get what you need. And it's extremely convenient. That's the part I love the most about it is as we're doing this podcast, I could go to rockauto.com and order oil for my Honda Civic or a filter or windshield wipers or whatever else I may need for my vehicle. And you can too. They have over 300 different car manufacturers. That means if you drive a Daewoo or a rare car that, you know, a Ferrari that I would never dream of owning because I could never afford it. If you do, if you're fortunate enough to do it and you need to work on it, you can by going to rockauto.com. 
And right now, if you go there, see all the parts available for your car, truck, sports car, and make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on Locked On Bengals by diving in to Director of Player Personnel Duke Tobin's press conference. He spoke with the media um, for the first time in, well, really since the draft. And uh, there was plenty to discuss, um, certainly, and and Jake and I are going to discuss what we think stood out the most. And let's start, Jake, with Joe Mixon, because obviously that seems like the next move outside of the the small moves that we've talked about on the podcast, roster decisions like that, that they're going to make a long-term extension with Joe Mixon. Heck, I was was a little not surprised, but it, it was almost good to see Duke Tobin saying, that he's proud of Joe Mixon and what he's become and how he's evolved since they drafted him in 2017. All signs point to them getting a deal done. Obviously, there's some uncertainty with the cap and things like that, but uh, the Bengals are notoriously known for getting deals done during training camp. I I wouldn't be shocked at all if this is done within the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it seems like an inevitability at this point. Joe Mixon tweeting about big life decisions to make and Sean Williams telling him to sign on the dotted line. And then putting out uh, "Before We Go Broke Like Jock," something like that. It was it was lyrics from the song "We Paid," which led a lot of Bengals fans to go into a tizzy, speculating that Joe Mixon had been extended, which I think will be a pretty popular move, and I think it's a move that we should all expect at this point. It sounds like, like I said, it's an inevitability. Duke Tobin talking about that's the next thing we want to get done. When asked about some other players, and we'll get into this, he didn't say, we're working on this other thing. I don't think there's any distraction for Katie Blackburn and the Bengals from getting the Joe Mixon deal done. And from Joe Mixon's tweets, you could infer that that's close. Now, whether that's the right move or not, well, I think it largely depends on how much money the Bengals end up allocating there is how right or how wrong this move ends up being long term. But one thing seems certain, the Bengals are about to have a lot more money tied up in the running back position when you count Giovanni Bernard's deal in the mix. And that's the thing is, is it would probably be done, but Joe's probably asking for 12 or 13 million per. And maybe the Bengals are at eight. And can they get it? Can they come together? I think both sides want it to happen. Will it happen? It does feel like it, but I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's it's for sure going to happen because I, I think something like this could break down the want to is there but to your point and duke was asked about this look the devaluing of running backs and he says look do you help us win we feel like joe's a guy that helps us win and in regardless of what position you play we're going to be willing to extend you if we feel like you you help us win and the other thing i thought was interesting was that he was asked about the class of 2021 and in the draft in the free agent class and all of those things and he's like look we know what we got in joe and, and that's what we want to stick with, you know, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what he said. And I, uh, 
I like that, and I, I think it makes sense. I also think that's a big reason why if I'm Joe Mixon, I would try to get a deal done and accept an extension over the next three weeks or so. I think one of the exact quotes was, we'll take the one we've got in the hand rather than what's in the bush or something to that effect with running We'll backs. take the bird we have in the hand. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so he's talking about, we really like Joe Mixon. We think he's a valuable player. We think he's a valuable teammate. We like his presence in the locker room. We like what he's doing in our culture. We like what he's doing as a scheme fit. And, and all of that adds up to a player they want to extend. He was asked, like he said, about positional value. And he starts to talk about what's the value to the team in terms of wins, just like you said. And the Bengals clearly think that Joe Mixon is a very important part of their equation for winning football on the offensive side of the ball. So that's why I think it's inevitable. I think that when, when your GM effectively and Duke Tobin is talking about this openly in his preseason press conference, I don't think that Duke Tobin is doing that unless this is going to happen pretty soon. I agree. I, I, I agree. And I think, uh, it'll get done and it. It probably should get done. I've, I've always been on the, the side of extending Joe Mixon, given what he could potentially do for this offense. I still think there's a lot of potential there and uh, it's been untapped by the two coaching staffs that, uh, have gotten to work with him over the past three years. And we've talked about it a ton, right? Getting him involved in the, as a receiver out of the backfield, his ability to, to make guys miss and get him in space and, Hopefully that can happen this year. Uh, but but it, it was interesting as we, we continue to dissect the Duke Tobin news conference, the fact that he had the opposite to say about William Jackson. It, it, it We talked about this before the podcast started, and I remember when I was on that call thinking, ooh, clearly they're not in the, the market to extend William Jackson this offseason because Duke pretty much shot it down and, uh, and said they believe in him and they think he's going to have a big year. But he's dealt with some injuries, and, and they kind of want to see him prove it. He didn't use those exact words, but that's kind of how you if you read between the lines how the Bengals are viewing William Jackson the third this year. Yeah, my note was a little bit less uh, less of an indictment, I guess, because I, I, I 100% agree with you. The tone for Duke Tobin there was very much he's got to go out there and prove that he's worth this extension. And I've speculated about this openly on the podcast that I don't think the Bengals necessarily like William Jackson all that much because – his last couple of years have not been as good as his 2017. And to, to his credit, Duke Tobin did say, we expect William Jackson to go out there and have a big year. He fought through an injury. But when he's talking about an extension, you can say for sure there are no extension talks currently happening with William Jackson and the Cincinnati Bengals. And he said something to the effect of, we'll see as we go with William mm-hmm. Jackson. We'll see after the year. And while he is talking about, you know, we have high expectations, he's also saying, yeah, but we're not talking about extending him right now because he has to prove that he can meet these expectations. Yeah, he said, and I have it here, he's a guy that fought through injuries he did last year. He's a guy that has a bright future, and we'll see. Right now I can't predict whether there'll be an extension on his horizon or not, but we'll see as we go here, which is exactly what you said. And that's, look, that's probably how they should treat it. You're, you're already committing big money to Trey Wayne's. And William Jackson III, for as good as he was in 2017, can he still be that guy? Can he stay healthy? You know, there are so many of these can-they-stay-healthy guys on this team. A.J. Green is one. William Jackson III is one. Carl Lawson is one. All three guys entering the final year of their deal. John Ross, another one. And and so I I get why you would want to, especially given the uncertainty with the salary cap, 
not commit big money, which is obviously what, what Jackson would want, uh, you know, at least Trey Wayne's money. Um, and he'll get that if he plays well this year. But I get why you wouldn't want to commit that type of money to him now. For what it's worth, last year, William Jackson was targeted 64 times when he was playing cornerback for the Cincinnati Bengals, gave up 39 catches for 570 yards, three touchdowns, had one interception, QB rating allowed of 99.1, which I imagine is very average for NFL corners. If you compare it across the league, I think 99 is right around the average for quarterback rating in the league. You compare that to B.W. Webb, he gave up 113 quarterback rating on passes into his coverage. And then Dre Kirkpatrick, 126. Tony McRae, the next highest guy on the snap count who played on the outside for some reason, 126. Although he did also have quite a few snaps in the slot. So that's where the corners stacked up last year for the Bengals. Obviously a much different crew this year with Trey Waynes in the building, Mackenzie Alexander in the building. But like you said, James, he's going to have to prove it this year. And, and he's somebody that we would all like to see prove it, right? Because if he doesn't make it, he doesn't figure it out again. He doesn't return to something approximating that 2017 form. It's Darius Phillips or back to the drawing board, you're drafting a first or second round corner. Man, can you imagine if you spend three first rounders on corners and Dre Kirkpatrick, Darquez Denard, and William Jackson III, and you don't get a Pro Bowl? You know, you don't get you get some second contracts, right? And Dre was the second contract, but it was a bad contract. Darquez Denard stuck around for a couple a year uh, or two after his rookie deal. You got his fifth year option, all that stuff. But man, that would just be that sucks to not get a Pro Bowl because especially Jackson, he's he's got more talent than those other yeah. two guys, and his ceiling's much higher. Yeah, and, and you can see the potential, and and hopefully he can stay healthy and have a big year. I think Jackson's one of those guys that you look back on and you think, well, man, if he hadn't got hurt his rookie year or, or whatever it is, you know, maybe he puts it together because he, he's certainly shown that he has all the talent in the world. Some other interesting bits that come out of Duke Tobin's press conference. He talked about defensive tackle. He was asked, given the Josh Dupo news, are you guys going to make some moves here? He said, we'll look at it as we go. Free agents are challenging. There's no workouts. There's a process we have to go through. And they're going to 80 players. And so with those cuts we talked about in the open of the show, they're actually at 79 right now, which I think we said is because they're expecting Kendrell Futuro, the college free agent, to come back. That would be number 80. But it could also indicate that if he's not ready to come back sometime soon, maybe they've got something coming to bring in an outside defensive tackle free agent. I'm not sure if this is the case or not. And I know, James, you're upset that P.J. Hall ends up getting sniped by the Minnesota Vikings, making that trade to keep him off the waiver wire. Well, I think the Bengals are in on it. I think they were going to claim him. I really do. Um, now, w- whether or not they, they were going to, I'm not sure. But there's a reason the Vikings are willing to trade for him and, and give up a conditional seventh. That's because they knew Hall wouldn't make it to them on the waiver priority list. So, Conditional it, uh, seventh. Man. Yeah. Steep hey, price tag, man. Tell well, you what. well, you well that it's smart though, really. I know it is. You know, you know he's going to hit the wire. They saw the news today, and, and I will say, I think the Bengals for sure um, view claiming a player that's uh, undergoing regular testing instead of getting a, a free agent acclimated to the testing protocol because it saves you about a week, about a week of time. Um, where let's let's use Hall for an example. Let's say the Bengals did end up claiming him, and they can't. I'm not trying to say they would or can't. They cannot. He's a Minnesota Viking. If they did claim him, 
and he was taking tests regularly and passing them with the Raiders, then he could come in. And I think at max, he'd have to wait three days because of travel. But that's it. Yeah. And he could get tested those three days and then join the Bengals at team facility. So that's it's a big difference when you're getting ready for the season. Yeah, I, I think that they could have been looking at it. I think that the reason he got cut is because this is the second time he's come to camp overweight. I, I think was a comment from John Gruden or from the Raiders that I saw today. And I, I think that the Bengals are looking for guys that are in a different mold that don't have, you know, they're not looking for the guys that are showing up and they're not in shape. They're, they're looking for the team captains, the guys that are don't need to be motivated to work hard. That's just their personality. Uh, another note that I found interesting, James, was doesn't sound like any of the undrafted free agents are really expected to make the team this year. Duke Tobin talked about the value of the practice squad. The Bengals and all NFL teams can protect players for all but 36 hours of the week on the practice squad, leaving a small window for other teams to scoop them up on Monday and Tuesday morning. But the value of a 16-man practice squad is higher than usual. That's going to be his first bank of players, says Duke Tobin. And on top of that, it's just there's not going to be tape on so many guys because there's no preseason. It makes it really hard to navigate. And he talked about the the devaluing of the Bengals' number one position on the waiver wire. Yeah, it, it stinks because now you don't have four preseason games to evaluate some of these guys. And you have to go off of college tape if they get released. And, and then make a decision, hey, do you want to claim them and put them on your roster? And it's tough. It's a, it's a tough position to be in. Uh, here's the, the benefit, though, and the positive if you're the Bengals. You can try to hide some of these guys. You know, there's not going to be tape on, on your guys either. So let's say a Mitchell Wilcox, who's the all-time uh, tight end receiving leader from USF. Let's say he has a really good training camp and looks like a guy who, if he needed to, could come in an NFL game and contribute. Well, you could probably stash them on the practice squad and and be safe and be all right. And the same thing goes for one of these quarterbacks, Jake Dolagala. Let's say he loses out to Brandon Allen and, and ends up going on the practice squad. Well, that's fine. You, you can promote him. And, and, and the other note that I want to make about the practice squad, and I got the clarity on this today, NFL teams this year can have six veterans on the practice squad. So you do not need – it doesn't matter about service time. They, they could have A.J. Green on the practice squad. It doesn't matter about that. So th that's one little edge here. There's not going to be many veteran free agents out there because if they don't get a job and they want to play, then uh, at least six of those guys are eligible for the practice squad. And with 16-man practice squads, that's certainly going to uh, change things for sure. I think that's a pretty good point, and I didn't know that about veterans, so thanks for sharing. Trey Waynes signed his deal today. Doesn't sound like things are necessarily the rosiest for William Jackson. What about the rest of the corners? We get into the cornerback positional preview coming up next. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Positional breakdown continues here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And Jake, let's look at the, the cornerback position for the Bengals because obviously they added a couple in free agency. We talked about William Jackson to some. 
uh, to some extent so far. Let's start with Trey Waynes, though. He's their big free agent acquisition, three years, $42 million, a former first-round pick. He's a guy that they're banking on, maybe not to be a shutdown corner, but to be a significant upgrade from Dre Kirkpatrick. And I think we've talked about that he's a he's an upgrade in some specific areas. He's a better tackler than Dre over the course of his career, although he did have nine missed tackles, tying a career high in 2019, which led to his highest missed tackle rate of his career. That is a blip on the radar, I'm choosing to believe, because outside of that, if you combine his three other professional careers, he has only seven missed tackles, and then he has two years with nine. It's not a very consistent year-to-year stat, but the overall trend that I see when I look at his tackling efficiency is very good tackler. Very good run defender as well. He's a guy that likes to play run defense, which is something that the Bengals really needed out of that position. I think the Bengals were sick of watching Drake Kirkpatrick gets stiff-armed, and they went out and got a guy that will probably still get stiff-armed because he's a cornerback and running backs are generally stronger than them, but it'll happen less frequently and maybe be less of a low light for Trey Waynes because this is a strength of his game. Run defense, tackling, speed, these are all things that he's very good at. Now, the other side of the coin is he has eight career interceptions in five years. That's an average of uh, just over one per year less than two per year. So the ball skills, not on the elite side, the way that William Jackson is. And he he has issues with double moves. The agility isn't there in the hips. The flexibility isn't there in the hips. So while he has great speed and good recovery speed, he, he uses that to mirror players, especially on double moves. You'll see him taking what Arif Hassan, when I had him on, calls speed turns. And so instead of breaking down in his hips and, and mirroring the receiver in and out of breaks, he's taking a wide turn and relying on speed to close those gaps, which leads to some issues on double moves from time to time. And that's the tough part here is you look at this cornerback position and let's say Waynes is a better tackling Drake Kirkpatrick. Well, that's great, but that that isn't a lockdown corner. That isn't a guy that's going to hold down one side in this passing league and the other guy you're banking on is William Jackson III, and we know about his injury history. And we also know how great he looked in 2017, and it's it's been a mixed bag since. And, and Jake, you you really you need him to deliver. Like, I'm fine with Trey Waynes being the, the 1A or the, the B, the, you know, the second guy, if William Jackson III could come in and be that lockdown corner. I think the Bengals would love it, and they would love in a year from now to pay big money to William Jackson III if he, if he shows that he could stay healthy and he deserves it. Yeah, I think Waynes is, like you said, a clear number two corner in the NFL. He's a fine number two corner. He's an improvement in that area from Drake Kirkpatrick. Like we said, you look at his PFF grades, it reflects kind of number two number two corner status, low end number two corner status. He was the 60th ranked overall corner by PFF last year. So uh, I, th- th- there's certainly a question there people have been questioning his contract since day one but he does improve the team in specific ways and you heard duke tobin talk about that in his press conference right they went out and targeted guys that improved the team in specific ways and Mackenzie alexander does the same thing he he doesn't necessarily improve the team because he's in a lot of ways similar to darquez denard in the slot but he at least maintains that's again strong run defender strong tackling presence and you're seeing a theme here especially when you consider dj reader who we'll talk about in the next couple of days, a strong emphasis on team speed, on willingness and efficiency in run defense. 
Absolutely. And and it should be that way. Look, it's the AFC North. Look at the North. Right? Pittsburgh is always going to want to run the ball. Baltimore, who's easily the best team in the division, maybe the best team in the NFL, their whole offense is built around running the ball. And, and, and then you got Cleveland, who has the best running back tandem in the league. So you're going to have to stop the run. If you're going to compete in this AFC North division consistently, they have to do that. They realize that. And uh, that's why I'm interested to see this defense, man. It's completely remade in these corners. They're going to have to come up. They're going to have to hit. And, and they're going to they're going to get their chances, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram or otherwise. Uh, they're certainly going to have their their chances in rushing defense and, and to really make an impact. Outside of those first three guys, the most interesting guy is going to be McKenzie or sorry. We talked about McKenzie Alexander. It's going to be Darius Phillips. And, and Darius Phillips mm-hmm. is a guy who was kind of a boomer bust player last year in a lot of ways. Really good ball skills, explosive as a returner, occasionally gets burnt. And, and you don't know if those are, are mental errors, if that's just man coverage losing on a double move because that just happens from time to time to, to cornerbacks and man coverage. But, man, does he have a knack for a big play. I hope he gets an opportunity to get onto the field. I think he's easily the fourth cornerback. He can play in the slot, good outside as well. And, and compared to the rest of these guys that are listed as backups right now, he is the guy that, that gives you the, the highest hope for a diamond in the rough, especially as they they lost uh, what was his name Harris to the the Broncos last mm-hmm. year, Devonte Harris, yeah, yeah. And, and that was the same draft class. And mm-hmm. and that's the funny thing is I, I remember when that happened and they drafted both those guys. I was more excited for a, a guy who could return the ball, who had those ball skills, and that's Darius Phillips. And he does and has flashed. And, and you hope here's the the reality: you hope he can slide in and potentially take the spot uh, of Mackenzie Alexander, right? I mean, at some point, that would be um, that, that would be something that, that could end up happening. He's on a one-year, $4 million deal. Um, so, so we'll see. But, yeah, I actually feel pretty good about the first four guys. If they, they can stay healthy, I think Darius Phillips is a fine fourth. But after that, Jake, it's a lot of question marks on this roster. Yeah, there's some experience there. Guys like LaShawn Sims, he's been in the league for a while. He played four seasons for Tennessee, kind of up and down. Tony Brown was a college free agent that the Bengals got off waivers from Green Bay. He's been in the league for two years, been pretty good in the preseason. Winston Rose comes down from the CFL where he had some astronomical number of interceptions and clearly has great ball skills, high productivity, in terms of making plays on the ball in the air. And then they carry over Torrey McTire and Greg Maben. And and Torrey McTire and Greg Maben were both pretty bad for the Bengals last year. So you're hoping one of these, I'm personally hoping, actually, I don't care who steps up. I, I have a tendency to want something new and improve to come along rather than the current thing, if it's something that was bad improving. But if, if Greg Maben or Torrey McTire make tangible improvements, great. But But they really will need two of these guys to step up and and this is the battle on the roster, right? Because they currently have four, seven, nine corners on the roster, and, and they're not going to keep nine. If, at, at most, it's seven. Most likely, I think it's six, six or seven. So there are four guys fighting for a couple spots there. Winston Rose had nine interceptions in the CFL last year. The Bengals had 11 total. Yeah. So, like, that's a guy... 
this is the part that sucks about not having the preseason. It's because you want to see Winston Rose. You want to see how he stacks up against the rest of these guys. Um, and, and yeah, you're you're right. It's in how do you as a coaching staff evaluate the difference between these guys? I get going live. It's just it's really going to be tough, and, and it's critical not only on who makes it, whether they keep six or seven, but the corner or two that they have and keep on the practice squad. Yeah. You got to get that right, too. So most of these guys will probably be around in one capacity or another. But you're going to have to let a couple go, probably. And those one to two guys, you got to get it right. Because there's practice squad guys that, let's say, Winston Rose is on the practice squad. Well, good ball skills certainly um, is something that, that could and hopefully does translate from the CFL. Uh, so if he needs to get a spot start or get some spot playing time, then you, you feel all right about that. But if it's... You know, if it's a guy that can't do that or can't contribute at all and, and is just getting beat and has the mental errors and all those things, then um, it, because at some point some of these guys are going to get injured. And so the depth is going to get tested this year. And whether it's injury or COVID-19, I'm more focused on like the back end of every position group than I've ever been because, you know, it's just going to get tested. Yeah. And and that's why I'm looking for something from LaShawn Sims, Winston Rose and, and Tony Brown. They're lesser known quantities to me. And I feel like after watching Greg Maben and Tory McTire last year, I don't feel a ton of hope <laughs> there. I think Tory McTire is better than Greg Maben, but regardless, I think that it's n- none of these guys are going to feel great about if they have to play a lot, unless somebody comes out and surprises, right? I think there's also a world though, where what I say, there are nine of these guys, they, they could all, maybe one guy doesn't make the practice squad. They might mm-hmm. all stick around in some capacity. I think that's a good point with the expanded practice squad. For the rest of the week, we are going to keep on going with our positional preview, though, so stay tuned for that. We'll also potentially have some news out of Paul Brown Stadium with all players reporting for the first full team activity on Tuesday. On Thursday night for Friday's show, we are also talking to football outsiders Robert Weintraub to get football outsiders' outlook on the Bengals for this season. So a lot to look forward to this week. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.